Hi everybody, Duncan Green here with the weekly roundup of posts and conversations on From Poverty to Power. Um, I'm in a sleeping Mexico city, so I'm going to keep my voice down or people will be banging on the walls of the hotel. Um, <clears throat> got in a couple of days ago and uh, already immersed in a bunch of fascinating conversations because Mexican politics are about to hit or are hitting a big critical juncture. The new president, uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador, who's known as AMLO, to keep it simple, is taking office on the 1st of September. He appears to be a very progressive and sort of radical shake-up kind of president. And so the big conversation you know, with Oxfam colleagues here in Oxfam, Mexico, is how does an NGO play that? Do you jump in and support and risk getting burnt when if things go wrong or do you keep your distance and maybe miss the chance to influence at this moment of change it's all incredibly unclear no one knows what the policies are no one knows who's going to be doing what do you wait until the smoke's cleared in which case you may miss the chance or do you try and jump in and influence really fascinating conversations uh, next week I'll, I'll be also launching uh, how change happens in spanish como corren los cambios uh, which is coming out here with a, a, a Mexican publisher. So there's a book fair here and stuff. So I'm going to have to launch it in Spanish, which is going to be a bit of a stretch because I haven't spoken Spanish for a while. I used to be good at it. And we'll find out next week whether I still am. Anyway, back to the blog. Start of the week with the usual links I liked. Um, one of the striking ones was uh, uh, some number crunching, which shows that Ireland is far and away the biggest tax haven for US companies. But the rest of links I liked was dominated by the Brett Kavanagh um, controversy. Some extraordinary photos and uh, spoof videos and all the rest of it. I mean, uh, by the time you hear this, you may we may well know whether he's going to be confirmed or not. But it's, um, it's, it's certainly generating an immense amount of social media traffic. Tuesday, I reviewed a book by Peter Fraze called Four Futures about life after capitalism. And that's quite interesting. He takes as a starting point that there are no jobs, that artificial intelligence, robots, will replace jobs in the vast majority of cases. And then he says, so what kind of futures might emerge in what he calls a post-capitalist or a, a post-waged you know, labour world? And to construct that, he says, okay, so let's imagine two variables. You have abundance and scarcity so is does climate change become a binding constraint or do we somehow find our way out of it and have enough for everybody and is politics equal or hierarchical so then you got uh, a two by two and he looks at the four quadrants um so for example abundant and equality he calls communism and hierarchy and scarcity he calls exterminism those are the two most powerful extremes but what I really liked about it is instead of then coming out with a fairly sort of limp description of what life might be like, he works through a pile of sci-fi movies and novels, and he calls it social science fiction. He then uses those to illustrate, because these are some of the most creative minds, you know, thinking about the future, uses them to illustrate the four quadrants, which really brings it alive. So I think it's a, it's a really nice piece of work. On Wednesday, I thought I'd better report back on an enormous chat on the blog on um, which dev speak, you know, jargony words would you most like to ban? Um, 560 people so far voted uh, to uh, which uh, 
on the short list of 10 which I put up there and um, the prize for the most hated word was shared between beneficiaries and the field uh, the, but besides the vote there was lots of really interesting sort of nuanced conversation about well actually some kinds of jargon are necessary and some kinds of jargon if you can't find an alternative to the word you're criticizing there may be a reason for that um, there was a really nice suggestion from Deborah Dwan that if you wouldn't use these words to describe your own life then why would you use it to describe other people's life so I think there's lots of really good food for thought in there I won't go into it because it's had so much attention already but if you're interested in the power of language and the use of language which I, I certainly am, uh, I recommend it. On Thursday, Stefan Durkin, who teaches at Blavatnik School of uh, Government in Oxford and used to be the chief economist at DFID, presented two new papers on, tech, uh, on technology and development, which are much more optimistic than Peter Fraser's book in the sense that he argues and the, the reports argue that there is a definite role for governments they don't say, oh, it's okay, everything will be fine, um, you know, technology will solve everything. Um, so the government needs to be involved, but he doesn't think the end of the world is coming. You know, he's, he's very critical of the sort of that Luddite tradition of thinking that everything's about to get terrible. So some really good sensible suggestions there. I'm not sure I agree with him. I think actually uh, Peter Fraze might be right. But, you know, uh, let's have some pluralist debate on the blog. Uh, he, these, this is the case for active engagement with technology and thinking that there will still be jobs at the end of this. And then the last Friday, um, uh, Penny Lawrence, who used to work at Oxfam, has a new paper out on the future of INGOs. And I think it's got some really interesting stuff in there. Um, firstly, she kind of gives up on silos. So, so you know, for years we've been saying in the NGOs, wow, well, we had to get over our silos of of separate structures for humanitarian response for long-term development and for advocacy and we need to have a one program approach and bring them all together the tacit the sort of impl implication of penny's work is actually each silo is going to respond differently and should respond differently to the the turmoil that we face uh, as international organizations and part of that turmoil she ca characterizes as a trilemma which is a word I learned from Danny Roderick, I think it's a really nice word, which is that there are three things here and you can't have all three. So the three things that Penny identifies are, are you a multi-mandate organisation? Do you do long-term development, humanitarian response and advocacy? Have you got international structures like Oxfam's big international confederation of affiliates in different countries? And are you trying to be agile and flexible? And she says you can have two out of those three, but you have to choose. And I think that's quite a useful uh, sort of thought experiment. OK, I'm going to go back uh, and go and have some breakfast uh, now that the sun's coming up. Uh, I'll be reporting back on Mexico next week, but there's some other really interesting uh, posts in the pipeline on uh, a bunch of work around gender, gender equality and how you understand uh, gender and politics by a range of authors. So uh, look out for next week as well and have a good weekend. Bye.